Welcome to the Baltic Triangle podcast with me, Mick Ord. And me, Mark Reeson. Well, this month we'll be hearing from the innovative Liverpool author whose new book, My Daddy is a Monster, will ring more than a few bells with parents and children. A book usually looks at how we're going to educate our children and how to behave. It uses analogy to express those sort of sentiments where we want our children at the end of it to glean something from that of how they should basically pull their socks up and pull their weight or be on a part of the team or whatever. But this is different because this acknowledges that in actual fact, parents don't always get it right. And a bit later, we meet the businesswoman behind Mersey Made, the shop, cafe and artist studio, which only sells products for the Merseyside area, a truly local enterprise. People have understood the concept from, from literally when I started talking about shall we do this people have taken come on board it's been great to see artists want to sell through us you know we now have all the studios upstairs that all full we have actually other people interested in using them so we have a waiting list so people are embracing that concept um, and I think we're lucky you know we've got staff here wanting to keep the Mersey made name going people to understand um, what we're doing and and it's just the main thing for us is actually for people just to discover where we are Right, Mark. Well, um, welcome to our rather echoey chamber. This is the the cafe in the Baltic area where I work. But I've asked them to turn the music down and I can't hear anything, can you? It's all gone a bit quiet, but that's good. And we can hear the plates rattling in the background. This is what I like, true true atmos. Anyway, how are you, mate? All right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you, mate. Um, Things are slowly but surely picking up. yeah, it's incredible to think that everyone's experience has been locked down has been slightly different. And I think the stories that we've got for listeners today really reflect that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, before we hear from our various interviewees, I would like to say to people that the whole point of the Baltic Triangle podcast is that we feature people who are breaking the mould, who are doing new stuff. And they can be anywhere on Merseyside. They don't have to live on Jamaica Street like us. Indeed, something that I've found as well is that I personally have had to have a very flexible approach in in everything that we've done post-COVID, as it were. And um, it's something that's been reflected in the way we've recorded our shows more recently. Um, We've we've been more Zoom-focused, and and it's been great to get out. And and these two stories that we've done have been back to where we were before the pandemic, uh, in as much as that we've done almost face-to-face, obviously socially distanced. I would like to mention first Baltic Broadband Limited, because they provide broadband for businesses in the Liverpool area and beyond. Ultra-fast business broadband from just 50 quid a month. We'll hear more about them a little bit later. But first, what have you been doing this week? Well, I've been to see Natalie Reeves Billing. Natalie's a storyteller and author who's established a social enterprise called Split Perspectives. In a time when most businesses have struggled, she's managed to buck the trend. She's released a first in a series of monster stories aimed at addressing the poor levels of literacy in children and helping them understand the complicated relationships that they have with the adults around them. My children are monsters, but no one can see. And nobody knows, except Daddy and me. I told Gran, but she said she already knew. So now we think Granny must see monsters too. No one else knows because monsters... My name is Natalie Reeves Billing, as you've heard. I'm a storyteller and a children's author. And I come originally from Toxteth in Liverpool. Uh, actually, the Dingle, uh, to be more specific. And um, yeah, and so, yeah, I started write, writing stories um, when the children were born. Um, I think probably on the back of being a songwriter, it came to me quite uh, 
organically, I guess, and that sense of rhyme and rhythm was very much there, so it felt sort of easy and common nature to me, I guess. Um, and all those stories that I told the children started to appear on the page. They started telling teachers about it at school, and before you know it, I had millions of ideas that I wanted to do and started to investigate that and think it wasn't impossible after all. Maybe it was something I actually could do. And then um, I was all ready to launch my book and to start pitching to agents when the lockdown happened. And here we are, uh, and I've released two, and now soon to be a third book during the pandemic. What made you think it was a good idea to, to do that during lockdown then? What was it that, that prompted you on? Oh, wow. Okay, well, lots of people were obviously advising me that it would probably be best, like a lot of the big firms, to just sort of pause and take a time out and take stock and just chill out and see what the world was doing. But I was just so enthused by what I was doing and the story actually seemed more relevant than ever with it being about monsters and monsters hidden inside us. And I certainly felt like a monster at the time and my children were most certainly monsters. And I thought, you know, I feel like more people than ever would relate to this feeling, this dynamic. And so I decided to press ahead. I was really excited and I'm a big believer in just powering through when the momentum's right. And so I released My Mummy as a Monster by myself, thinking, you know, it's not going to hinder me if eventually I want to look for traditional publishing. If it's doing well, surely I'm uh, proving my own model and putting my own money where my mouth is. So this is just a start for your monster characters, isn't it? Tell me about some of the others. All right, OK, so first we have Mummy as a Monster, and uh, she's an example of an orangafang, which is a very specific type of uh, monster. There are 13 monsters in total, actually, and uh, I'll get to them a bit later on. Uh, the daughter in that Split Perspectives book, they're dual narratives, there are two stories in one. Uh, she is a pinky stink, and soon I'll be doing uh, My Daddy is a Monster, and he's a perplexer monster, so... Um, a quick look at my website will reveal what these monsters are, what monstrous traits and characteristics they have, but they bear a remarkable resemblance to the signs of the Zodiac. So do you find yourself maybe looking at people when you meet them and, and, and thinking what kind of a monster they are? It's definitely, but I always have. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever categorised them as monsters, but I've always thought there is that hidden element of people, uh, the bit that comes out when you've had a few. And... Um, and so, yeah, I think it also is unleashed when people are at their wit's end. You know, that side of themselves that they kind of are able to keep a handle of, but tends to come out at certain situations, either very high points where you're really excitable and you let go, or very low points where you're really angry and, you know, in despair. So either way, those highs and low points is where we usually see some sort of monster, because monsters get a bad rap, they're not just bad. They're, uh, they're pesky, they're mischievous, but they're also loads of fun. So maybe they're just uh, misunderstood. Now, I know there's something quite different about some of your books as well, isn't there, at the moment? What, just talk us through how your books are different. Okay. Oh, this excites me, this bit, because uh, I, I am quite proud of this. But, you know, you have those times in your life where you think, yes, there's, this is just so cool, and you just happen to have thought it up yourself. This is one of those times. Uh, you know, I'd always wanted to write this book. My daughter had said to me, um, when you say that there, you know, I should look at all sides of a story, well, with you, mum, there's only one side of the story and it's your side of the story. And I'm like, oh my God, she's sick. So is she saying this to me? But I thought, yeah, she's right. There is only my side of the story. But then I thought, wouldn't that be interesting if, if, if there were two sides to a story in the same book? 
And so I thought about that. And at first it was just going to happen in a linear sort of fashion with the child's point of view followed by the parent's point of view. So, you know, the same, very same scenarios, everyday struggles and dramas um, and the mirror image of it through the adult eyes. But then I wanted to go one step further than that. I wanted to reach that midpoint after you've read that first narrative and physically flip the book on its head. So shut the book and flip it. And then the, uh, my books have two covers. So they effectively two books in one. And I love that. And there are so many multi-layered bits in it. There are things to find. So if you've got younger kids, they can spend their time looking for things, hidden monstrometers, which are the mirrors that help you to identify monsters all around you. And... Um, there are also some really fun things in the illustrations, which are so lovingly and perfectly done by Lisa Williams. Um, what she's done is just a marvel. So she, we spent a lot of time thinking about what those illustrations needed to do, and they're so clever. There's so many layers to them. They tell a story in themselves, away from the narrative. Um, and they also use reflective surfaces to reflect another's perspective. So, you know, there are people walking along uh, next to a pond and you're looking at their reflection in, in that pond and you're seeing, actually, they're the monsters. The monsters are in the reflection. Or there might be monsters in real life, but in the reflection, they're human. And so there are loads of moments like that where if you take time looking, it's one of those you have to keep going back to the book and doing it again and again and you'll always find something else. It's been a challenging time, isn't it, for families? I mean, especially with young children involved in in, in the homeschooling and, and the lack of any social interaction. How much do you think this pandemic has shaped the way that your ambitions as an author have, have, have gone going forward? I think it's made me want to be more honest. And I think it's changed the way that I write to reflect that there are uh, two sides to the story in the in terms that... A book usually looks at how we're going to educate our children and how to behave. It uses analogy to express those sort of sentiments where we want our children at the end of it to glean something from that of how they should basically pull their socks up and pull their weight or be on a part of the team or whatever. But this is different because this acknowledges that in actual fact, parents don't always get it right. So it allows a jumping off point for a discussion around, well, I guess around honesty about a child being able to say to their mums and dads, this is why I did what I did. But when you did that, I didn't like it either. Why did you do that? So I guess it's about that sort of honesty, having a space where parents can sit with their children and both understand why they do the things they do. So it's not about preaching one way or the other. It's trying to find that balance, that you know, common ground. And have you found it really easy to, to, to sort of to sustain your creative output, even in, in, in spite of the, uh, the pandemic? I guess I used to have quite a separate life, even though I was a children's author or I was working towards being a children's author. I very much kept it compartmentalised from my family life. Um, it was a private activity that I did on my own and I found it very stressful to mix the creative process with the, the, you know, the chaos of, of being a mum to two young ones. Um, but now I realise that in actual fact, they are all the same thing. I mean, if you are a children's author, you're using that material of being a mum, that experience, of, you know, that, that you're going through. It's, it's great material for you. Um, you know, even in my live streams or my videos, I used to go to a quiet place and I used to try and find this contrived space where I could 
uh, let people into my world. Well, my world is that world where I'm with the kids in the kitchen with all the mess and the chaos. That's life. That is my life. And so it's an honest window into my world. And it does feel refreshing because my kids feel much more connected to me than they ever have. Tell me all about your book, Ben and the Bug. And one specific thing that has come out of the whole uh, world pause has been uh, Ben and the Bug, which is a book that I specifically wrote for families to explain COVID-19 to little ones. Um, The reason that came about and actually stopped me from finishing the book that I was working on beforehand because the noise in my head was saying, finish this or the one, start this or the one, just, you know. And so I just couldn't ignore it. And it was because my own children were starting to show signs of anxiety, uh, you know, sort of uh, becoming more clingy and touchy and needy. And I wondered why that was. And I quickly got the feeling that they didn't understand this new world and what was going on. And I tried to put some sort of narrative to it that they would understand. And in the end, I ended up writing a story which was fictitious, um, but very poignant in in the journey that it, it took children on in terms of COVID-19. And so I wrote the book and I decided to get it out there. And it's full of fact boxes, which give clear and precise uh, instructions about hygiene and what children can do. But it doesn't focus on things that children couldn't really do anything about anyway and they shouldn't concern themselves with. So it's very basic. It's what children can actually do and feel useful, I guess, um, and have some sort of control over the matter. And uh, it also puts a face to the bug. It actually looks through the bug's eyes. So it's a unique perspective, really. And it, it by putting that face to the bug, they're no longer scared of this unseen thing that they're, that they're going to walk into when they go outside. They know it's there, but at the same time, they're not scared of living their life. So you're originally from Toxteth, you said, and um, I just wonder how important it was for you going forward that you maintain that connection with, with, with Liverpool and the region. It is very important. I mean, the more um, I've heard a lot that writing is for rich people because the poor people don't have the opportunity or the time to take out of work to actually find um, a space for writing. And I found that really sad. And that's why places like Writing on the Wall and other organisations and yourself, um, you know, are, are absolutely key to to getting underrepresented voices out there. I mean, like, um, I feel that if more people were true to themselves and where they came from and not trying to adapt and change their story to fit in what they see in common literature, which is most often some idea of a reality that isn't theirs. You know, they're writing about something they don't really know about, about a world where people go for picnics and, you know, in in the countryside and, you know, the, those sort of things that we read about in either Blighton novels. And, you know, that is not the reality for a lot of people. And it's nice that some authors are feeling that they can start to write about those real-life experiences about growing up in council houses and, you know... And changing the way that that is, it's not... It, it used to be that those scenes used to occur in some sort of dark moment of literature, you know, where, oh, now we'll go and visit the council estate, this has got to be a tragedy unfolding here, we'll know, because miracles and beautiful things happen there. And, you know, I'm very keen to show that everywhere is capable of having, you know, ups and downs wherever you are, no matter who you are, you know. It, it's, uh, it's that one story that we've discussed on several occasions that people who have an idea about where you come from and try and 
reel that out to others and people think that you know there's lots of stress lots of crime lots of drugs lots of all these sorts of things well no that wasn't my experience of Toxteth at all my experience of Toxteth was very much community people sticking together people doing amazing things for one another yeah there would be the odd thing that would go down like anywhere but in the main my experience of living there was was beautiful and one of togetherness what can we look forward to then I mean what's next from the stable Oh, okay. Well, you know, it always starts with a story for me and then it turns into some sort of global domination thought process and I'm working on that at the minute. So how are my monsters going to turn into Monsters Global? Um, They start off with paper crafts. That's where I'm at at the minute. I'm looking for activities that surround the story so that you finish the story. What then? Well, there are lovely educational resources that are free that uh, parents can access, download. So yeah, you can make your own masks and all those sorts of things. Make your own monsters. Make your own board game. I love that because we can actually decorate your own box. Make your own figures that go around your own board game that you've designed your own way that can be as big or as small as you want it. So basically, what would I have wanted to do with my monsters when I was a kid? And I'm inventing in that sort of mindset. And from here, I'm hoping to do lots of stuff like applications, like phone apps and stuff like that, Um, monster horoscopes and animations, but they're all in the pipeline. So puppet shows is another one. I'd love to get that in. I've been talking to someone about that to get my little monster puppet made. And so, yeah, who knows? It's a crazy world I live in, so I wouldn't be surprised at what comes out next. So I know you've got the release of My Daddy is a Monster coming up. Um, Tell me a little bit about that. I've made it to be the 6th of September for an important reason. It's National Reader Book Day and I felt that that was important because a lot of us feel that, especially now, we're so busy, um, it's hard to factor in things that we would see as fun or you know superfluous, but I don't want reading to be one of those things, superfluous activities or a luxury thing. Uh, but if we have just one day where we have a licence to read the whole day away or just even read one book alone or to a friend or with grandparents then that would be great and hopefully it will be my book that they choose to read on that day but yeah I'm a a massive um, advocate for reading I think for many many reasons it is important we get to uh, experience other realities and other dialogues that we don't get to experience in our own lives so it's sort of like a vicarious trip somewhere else to see through somebody else's eyes it's a way to escape and boy do we need it right now when we can't go on holiday so it's a very inexpensive way to travel about through somebody else's thoughts and feelings and it's very good for stress and with so much tech and busyness of the modern world and so much anxiety with covid going around i think that having that space where children can just take a break and just relax and read and have that moment to connect with somebody else that is important to them uh, then I couldn't think of a better day to to launch that on and also go out there and tell people what you're doing tell people you're reading today share it share what book that you've actually read and write a review about it of course because authors always love those things and it's really important to them to help them to grow um, and yeah just try to get the message out there if you love a book tell everybody about it how can we keep up to date with what else is going on with you then I mean future releases uh, any news and uh, any other developments well 
the website is a is a great place to start. It's not just a sort of 2D experience. There are so many funny, quirky things to do on there. So a quick exploration around there will pretty much keep you up to date with everything. And there'll be loads of things you can take part in and competitions and giveaways and all those sorts of things. But if um, you add yourself as well to my mailing list, well, that would be an experience because you'll get to get uh, monthly horoscopes delivered to your door which, um, well, just try it out for yourself. It, it is really fun. If you really do want to know what sort of monster you are, then totally sign up for my mailing list. It's at www.lollipoplodge.net. Natalie, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. I've had so much fun and thanks for having me on. Fascinating stuff from Natalie. Who'd have thought that we'd be introducing our kids to monsters rather than telling them they don't exist? Really imaginative stuff that, I thought. It was, and it was great to be on the trail of monsters with Natalie, I must admit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she, I think she had a big laugh in there thinking up those ideas in the first place, didn't she? She's got some fantastic ideas going forward, that's for sure. Uh, really got to keep an eye out for what she's bringing out all the time. Well, nowadays we often hear that all city centres in the UK are the same, with the same brands everywhere, same shops, same coffees, same cafes, etc. Many people complain that cities are losing their individuality and the character. But there's one company that's opened up in Liverpool recently whose unique selling point is that all their products and the services are all locally sourced, whether it's arts, crafts, food, alcohol, all from the cafe, all from the Merseyside area. It's called Mersey Made, and it's on the end bit of Paradise Street on the edge of Liverpool One and the Baltic Triangle. They opened last November and then had to shut down like everywhere else during lockdown. But now they're open again. I popped along to meet the woman behind Mersey Made, Vicky Gowith, and some of her staff and discover how she's breaking the mold in the local retail sector. Quite a few years ago now, I've had the idea um, sort of burning in my head. Um, some of it's because I used to work in John Lewis years ago um, in the gift department um, and sort of was aware of what people liked in Liverpool. Also because I like making things and as myself, I would go ideally on a Sunday afternoon to the makers markets um, that we have over on Liverpool and the Wirral. And I see a lot of wonderful crafts um, and artists work that really didn't have... Um, a place where it was showcased in Liverpool city centre. So it's an idea that was burning away, that if I could do something to help the community and try and bring, bring a place where we could help our creators um, and offer it a marketplace for them. Um, that's, that's really how Mersey Maids come about. Because it's very difficult to get locally made crafts, for example, in a big store like John Lewis, isn't it? That's right. I mean, John Lewis is wonderful, but that is sort of based on a national um, buying way. And I just sort of know that I would go and I'd go to these makers markets, I'd see something beautiful and I might, I'd buy it, but then like three months later, I'd be thinking, oh gosh, if only I could go and see it again um, and um, buy one of those items myself. So had the idea of bringing that the concept to Liverpool and then I've got friends I've got four children myself and I've got friends locally who are some of these makers so I spoke to them and I said do you think this could work and basically there's myself and friends we brought together the idea of Mersey Made um, I've got my friend Jenny who um, is one of the artists and Emma who were at the makers markets and also my friend Yasmin who's um, our chef who's on the Great British Bake Off and she does a lot of the world farmers markets so we all sort of, we've spoken together about the concept and um, basically brought it to life. I've 
managed to get support from quite a few different organisations like the Women's Organisation, Merseyside Special Investment Fund, Startup Loan Company, things like that, where we've sort of been to them, pitched the idea, and um, they've helped us now um, bring Mersey Made here to Liverpool. And the idea is that 100% of the things that you sell here are made that's on Merseyside. We're made in the region of, Mersey, of Merseyside. So we've actually, because the Mersey begins in Stockport, we've decided we've done 50 miles from the shop. So we didn't, it's going to be very complicated where we draw it from. So that's where we've sort of um, stuck our geographical area. And the USP, yes, is by coming to us, you're keeping local businesses alive. And we've done it both through the art products that we have in the shop. Um, we've also got 10 studios upstairs where artists are working. Um, and they're working and selling from their space, so you're supporting them. And there you can commission artwork. Um, but we also have selling from the cafe. We're trying to take on um, local producers through our food we're selling, um, support obviously local businesses. And also like things like honey we have, we have peanut butter also, um, and gin, local craft beers, all again made within the region. So we're supporting different people in different, different creative industries. And talk about some of the stuff you do sell here, because it's not just arts and crafts, is it? As you say, there's food, there's beer, That's there's right. gin, there's vodka, isn't it? There is, there is. We're going to have, um, we've got, and we've got, um, hopefully, soon we're going to have rum coming through um, into our things. And we also hope to launch Liverpool hampers, um, sorry, Merseyside hampers coming through. So where you choose, we'll be able to choose products that are made locally and um, select items that you can know by buying them you're supporting people locally we also have the very sort of unique thing here in mersey made so we've got the 10 studios the shopping cafe and also um, an event space and workshop space upstairs where you yourselves can actually come and be involved in your own mersey made journey so here we've had def different workshops we've had ceramic workshops we've had um, recently tie-dye face mask workshops for children um, we're going to have jewelry workshops terrarium workshops, all sorts, and holly wreath workshops we're also looking to do before Christmas. So it's very much to try and keep the creative aspect of Liverpool alive, both for yourselves and um, as customers and also being involved. Now, you opened here at the old sailor's home, which is what it is, isn't it? You opened here last November, and then within a couple of months, we had the lockdown. You must have hit the roof when that happened. It was very, I must admit, it was, being, it was a shock. We'd literally opened for four months. And um, yes, to have to close the doors was really, really hard. Um, and it's just the impact it's had you know, on so many businesses. We are now back here and we're just, um, we're very grateful to the customers of coming back to us. You know, we're grateful to the government for this Eat Out Help Out scheme we've been using um, for people come to use the cafe, but people are coming back through the doors. And you know, it's great that they're supporting the local community. And we just hope that people will carry on doing that um, for all of us and yeah, keep all our jobs alive, you know, if we can. I mean, there's, over the past 20 or 30 years, a lot of people have complained about city centres because they say they're all starting to look the same, with the same brands, the same chains. And you're kind of being, I suppose, counterintuitive on this, aren't you? Yeah. Your whole selling point, your whole unique selling point is the fact that it's locally made. It is, and it's different. Um, the items are different. And we also have the sort of the communication you can have with us to the artists. You know, there's been 
beautiful mug. We have recently this lady, lady's face, um, she's in vases and all sorts, and people coming back and saying to us, can we please have a male mug, for example? So straight away we go that, do that and we order it for them. We have the artist upstairs where you can go and commission the artwork, artworks they're doing. Um, we're very lucky we've got some well-known artists within the region who've won national prizes and things. And it's been great to have them you know, behind us. If it's all right, I think my other best thing might be to do is to go and meet some of our artists who are here actually today and we can go and look around the building. Okay, Mick, so we're going to go through now into the studios and we've got two, two of our artists here right in front of us. In fact, with one of them's got their little puppy today. What's, what's, what's her name again? Walt. Walt. Yeah. You're Sean, right? I am, yeah. Hello. And you are? I'm Jenny. Nice to meet you. And what do you do here? What's your, you know? I manage, your... well, I manage the studios and the, the shop downstairs, and I've got my own studio up here that I do some work from as well. And how's it work for you? Because you started last November and then you had to shut down for COVID. Yeah, What's did. it been like since the lockdown has kind of gradually lifted as well? It, it's like we've just opened again, that we've, we're back to the beginning and we've, we've kind of started from the beginning, but it's quite nice. Our old regulars are coming back in to see us and everybody's positive, so it's, it's all good. And what's it like for you, Sean, as an artist? What do you actually make, do? So I'm an illustrator, so I do um, basically the pictures that you'll see in picture books. Um, so like obviously since opening, it's, it's been just, the thing I missed was like working in sort of a, the environment with loads of other artists around me. So it's been nice to get them connections back. But yeah, yeah, I'm loving it here and uh, it's a really good vibe. Yeah. And I think it's probably, is it Vicky, the only place in Liverpool city centre where you can, where you're guaranteed that all the, all the artefacts are all made on Merseyside? That's right. They're all locally made here um, within our Merseymade Mersey region. Um, and yes, by coming here, you're supporting people, you're supporting, putting the money back in people's, um, and helping people's livelihood back in their pockets, yeah, to keep the, the region going. Very much sort of the ethos, the USP of Mersey Made is all about the community and trying to keep our community alive. And encouraging artists like Absolutely. Sean to, to work Absolutely. from here and sell their, and sell their products from here. How, how has it worked for you, Sean, since you've been uh, working here? It's been brilliant. Like, I, I was working at home before here so um it's just been a real big step up having sort of a spot in the city center uh like the amount of you know different people you meet during like work from working here like um being able to i don't know share the behind the scenes things that like most most people will work from home and you'll only see the finished thing but here people get to see us actually working on what what we make so it's that that's sort of a unique unique selling point for us really and i gather people can commission works from you as well yeah, so we, we get um get some really interesting um opportunities. Like for example, one one before Christmas, someone came in with a guitar and said literally said to me, Right, I've got a day, can you paint my guitar? So you know, we get sort of ex exciting exciting opportunities that you wouldn't get anywhere else here. So yeah, it's been, it's been And rare. you had to do that, you had to respond straight away and say yes. Yeah, you? just came up with something on the spot and went for it really. So it could have gone one of two ways, but yeah, they, they were made up with it. So Yes, I was talking to you upstairs about, um, about our cafe and how we try and support local makers um, here and that we're also very lucky to have Yasmin as our chef. Yasmin was on the Great British Bake Off and comes up with all sorts of wonderful culinary delights. Um, if you don't mind, I'll introduce you to her now. Okay. <laughs> oh, hi. Hi, sorry. Hi, Yasmin. Hi. So everything here is produced in the Merseyside area, is it? Yeah, well, everything that, that comes out of the kitchen is made in the kitchen. I say we support local 
where we can. Yeah, um, so to supply all, all the products that we buy in to cook, you know, all our delicious lunches and dinners with, um, they're all sourced locally and produced locally as much as we can. Are there any other like, places like this anywhere in the country, never mind just here? people do want to support the local community okay. yeah and we're trying to just embrace that here for the Mersey made re Merseyside region and what's it like for you for you because pe I guess people when they see you here will recognize you from the telly what, um, sometimes what, it was it was what, a while what kind of things now. did they say to you I know yeah but I, quite often they recognize me and they're not sure why that's what it is and I just think I, I say I've got one of those faces I think <laughs> <laughs> but we're really lucky Asmi makes the most amazing cakes and also recently she started with Post-lockdown, we all had that time to think about different ideas and things we can launch. And um, We're doing now picnic boxes and treat boxes that people can, can buy through a website. And um, so you can actually take Yasmin's wonderful work home now as well, which has been so, great. So what kind of stuff will do you envisage I would be able to take home if I bought one of your picnic boxes? Well, for a picnic box, we've always got um, at least homemade scotch eggs and sausage rolls or a vegan or a vegetarian alternative, a couple of different salads, some cake, some homemade breadsticks and dips. Everyth everything's been produced in the kitchen. Right. And Vicky, what's it like when you're, obviously you're competing with all the other hundreds of businesses that are in the, in the area, in the city centre, and you're trying to carve a niche yeah. at this obviously very difficult time for our economy. Yeah. How do you envisage the next sort of, the short and medium term to be? Is it going to be a struggle or do you think do you think you're going to get through it okay? I think the thing has been that we are we are a new business um, and we're trying to grow as that business. It's not been, obviously COVID's not been good for anybody, but it has been quite tough for us because even trying to get funding to going forward because you're a startup, we struggle with that. Um, but I've, I feel that we have got this unique selling point that hopefully people will understand that by coming to us, they are supporting local people and we'd be really grateful they could do that. And so we've got that through our products, but we also have it through the, the, the cafe. Here in the cafe, Yasmin's really worked really hard on the menu um, and we do lots of homemade food. Um, we also do these breakfasts. So we literally um, started our full cooked English breakfasts the week of lockdown. So that was really hard. So we didn't get them going, but post lockdown, we have them now and they're proving really popular, aren't they? So we sort of, we yes. can open on a Sunday at 10 o'clock before Liverpool one because of the size of the building. We don't, we're not restricted to the hours the same. And actually people are here, you know, keeping Sunday is a really good day now. They are, the breakfasts have been really popular. And I think one of the, the, the selling points of it has been that you can choose what you want for your breakfast. It's not a set thing. So you can choose from a selection of different items. And just this morning we had a vegan and a vegetarian in yeah. and saying well, it was nice to be able to pick and choose what they wanted rather than be given the standard fare. We're trying to do a twist really in everything we're doing. So a bit like we're going to launch these hampers, but that hamper will be where you can actually choose your own products. Um, Yasmin's also looking at maybe we're going to start launching doing evening events. We were going to have a kitchen takeover. Again, we had to cancel that unfortunately because of COVID. But we're looking to actually when the government can allow sort of numbers and us to organise things, to be having supper clubs and things like that. Yasmin, isn't it leading yeah. leading different something themes, different? Different themed supper clubs. So yeah. we might have a pudding night or we might have a Mexican well, night or Friday, yeah, things like that. <laughs> um, so we're just trying to make, give, give the city different and hope they'll support us for that reason if they can you know see that we're trying to think creatively and what about the customers that come here for the first time because it's not obvious from the outside what it is you're doing so what's what's their reaction when they see what you do oh i think we really have had such positive feedback it's been really positive i think people have 
understood the concept from, from literally when I started talking about shall we do this people have taken come on board it's been great to see artists want to sell through us you know we now have all the studios upstairs they're all full we have actually other people interested in using them so we have a waiting list of people are embracing that concept um, and I think we're lucky you know we've got staff here wanting to keep the Mersey made name going people to understand um, what we're doing and and it's just the main thing for us is actually for people just to discover where we are um, and, and that's been the thing, we're not far. We're literally about I don't know, 30 metres from Liverpool One, but we, you don't go past us. We're just on behind the bus station. So if you came out, I always called it um, John Lewis Bin Entrance there. Uh, you'll see Chancery House, that building right in front of you. And we're just on the far side of that building. But once you know us, hopefully people will, will return. So we've been called by some people of the Oasis of Liverpool One. So you can come here and just have a bit of time out from the hustle and bustle, um, where it's different activities here. Um, and also, hopefully, people will learn about the um, creative activities we're going to have upstairs, you know, the workshops we've got, so they'll come and want to make things themselves. You know, people a lot more are wanting to buy presents as experiences now, rather than just products. So we're hopefully that will be, you know, that, that is something we're offering for people to come and get involved and make things here. And what about artists and, and craftspeople that think, hey, this might be a good outlet for my product here. Well, what we'd like them to do if they have is to go onto our website and we have um, there, we have a, an email address they can come through and then we can give them details. We normally ask them to come to us and show us what they're doing. And we do try and look at obviously the products and not have everything that's completely the same. It's quite important to help the, the creators we have here. But we do want people to approach us and yeah, try and get people, more people's items um, within Mersey May to be showcased, you know, and, and for people to buy and support, support more creatives within the region by doing so. Shall I go and show you? We've got one more artist out there as well. I yeah, sure, yeah, okay. Yeah, who, who's working in our shop today, Jess, but um, she's also one of our studio members upstairs, um, so I can introduce you to her. Hi, I'm in the shop again, Mick, here. Um, and here we've got Jess, um, she's one of our studio members upstairs. Um, and this is Jess Slack, who's... Um, Actually, working in our shop today because we're lucky that she does both studio and shop. Um, very lucky to have Jess. She's actually going to be painting the walls behind us um, on the edge of um, the wow. Q Park um, through the Liverpool Hi. Without Walls Culture Fund. Um, but yeah, Jess will tell you more. We were also very lucky, I need to point out, because of her national prize that she won recently. It's a signature art prize, and yes, we're very lucky to have her here with us. Uh, tell us what you're going to do. Those huge walls, I mean, how tall are they? They look about 20 feet tall. Yeah, I think they're about six metres tall. Um, and altogether, it's about 40 metres long. So it's going to be a huge project. But I'm an abstract artist, so it's going to be really colourful and bright and vibrant and bring some, some colour into quite a dull area of Liverpool. So I'm really excited about wow. it. Wow, and it will it will get people's attention, won't yes. it? We, which presumably is what you want. Yes, yeah, of course. It's great and it'll hopefully uplift people. It's a bus route, so people coming home from work and things on the way to work will be, yeah, really hopefully inspired and enjoy the work. It's, it's going to be the biggest advertising hoard in, yes. in the city, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a huge piece, so I'm really excited about it, yeah. So tell us about this award you won, the Signature Art Award? Yes, so I went down to London in February. Um, I was nominated for the Signature Art Prize and I, I won a prize there. Um, so it's basically an award to support emerging artists. Um, so I've done a commission painting for the prize. So there was a gala in London, so it was great. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. is that the biggest prize you've won? Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's the biggest prize I've won, yeah. So yeah, it's great, yeah. And in terms of the... Uh, 
working in a place like this, what's mm -hmm. it like? Because you, you, you're working behind the counter. You're yeah. also an artist here. Yeah. You're also going outside and yeah. going to do a huge <laughs> yes. mural on that yeah. wall. Yeah. I mean, the, there can't be many places that would allow that. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I'm very, very busy at the moment, um, but it's really fun. It's great. I like working in the shop because I get to sort of interact with so many more people and talk to the different artists. So it's really fun to be able to have both. I've walked past Mersey Maid a few times and I'm, I've kept making a mental note to, I must pop in, I must pop in. But that really gave me a really good insight into uh, exactly what to expect when I do finally get around to going in. Yeah, well, it is worth it. I, I went in there with me. Um, with my daughter's uh, partner who's French, and he was looking for something that would be made in the Liverpool area. And I think he ended up buying vodka, which was a bit of a shock. But all the stuff in there is from the sort of Merseyside region. So um, it is a good idea, and I hope it manages to survive. I'm sure it will do. There were quite a few people in when I was there. Good to see the diversity there as well. I mean, you had a couple of different artists and lots of different things in there. So there's a group in there and there's always going to be that bit where they're firing off each other with creative ideas as well. And the other thing that I wasn't aware of, which is great, is that there's a, a level of kind of a catering in there that you can go for as well. Seems like that was pretty impressive. Did you, yeah. uh, did you indulge? I uh, had a cup of coffee. I don't know whether the coffee beans were grown in Wallasey or anything like that. I need to check that. But uh, <laughs> another local company, by the way, and they also do, this is not word of a lie, they also do the broadband for them, is Baltic Broadband Limited. They do the broadband for Vicky and the people at uh, Mersey Made. Um, as I mentioned before, ultra-fast broadband only for businesses, so no consumer traffic clogging up the network, just for businesses, high-capacity network. You can find them if you Google them. The social media is optimised and prioritised as standard, ensuring that your business can publish your content and updates with fast and reliable connectivity. Thanks once again there to our friends at Ballsit Broadband for their continued support. It really, really makes a difference to us. That's pretty much it. Keep an eye out for Natalie's latest release and a reminder that it is National Reader Book Day on September the 6th. Yep, uh, Natalie's book is called My Daddy is a Monster. Mersey Made is on the edge of the Baltic Triangle and Liverpool One. If you've got any ideas for us, any people that you think it'd be good to interview, um, doing innovative things in the Merseyside area, the email is... It's info at baltictrianglepodcast.com. That's info at baltictrianglepodcast.com. Thank you and see you next time. Thanks for listening and all the very best.